and welcome to Screen Cleaning, the show here on BYU Radio that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wessinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. We do that by talking about movies, TV, sometimes sports, all sorts of stuff. If it's enter- if it's entertainment related, we're going to talk about it. Entertaining stuff on your screen, that's what we love to say. Right, and we, we really do our darndest to avoid all of the gossip, all the negative stuff that, that you find in entertainment, because there's plenty that you can find. And so we try to focus on the stuff that's a little harder to see. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Cole, because right around this time of year, high school students are getting ready to go to college for the first time. College students are getting ready to go back to school. I know that my wife and I are doing absolutely anything and everything we possibly can to ensure that our young ones will be going back to elementary school and won't be sent home. Because if they get sick, if anybody in the household gets sick, they they stay home for two weeks. Yeah, going back to school in 2020 is going to be a different kind of back-to-school season than ever before. But we want to look back at some of those more normal back-to-school times and the movies and entertainment that we made about this very unique school experience that everyone can relate to somehow. Now, once upon a time on the show, a couple years ago, we talked about something called Screen Cleaning University. Now, this is a university that Cole and I have set up. Uh, it's it's definitely not a tax-exempt tax exempt organization. We get no government funding. It's not a state school per se. It's not even a real university. Oh, yeah, that's But right. on the show, it exists to either accept, put on a waiting list, or reject films that would apply to our esteemed university. Right, Cole? The esteemed Screen Cleaning University. Back in 2017, we first inducted our first class into Screen Cleaning University. There were classics such as Stand and Deliver, Monsters University, Ten Things I Hate About You, all got accepted in one way or another. Now it's Screen Cleaning University sophomore year where we introduce yet another class to our esteemed and prestigious Institution of Higher Learning. This is so exciting, Cole. I I can't believe Monsters University. I can't believe I accepted it. Uh, It was probably Joel Hilton joined the show that time. I think he accepted it. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. You know how you make decisions and sometimes you regret them? I feel like that can happen with college admissions, too. You know, you, you accept somebody into the college and then later on you realize, oh, this person interviewed well, but maybe didn't work out the way we hoped it would. Heck, maybe they just peaked in high school. You know, they looked real good on paper, but then when they actually came to school, school is very different. You know, that's in real life, and it happens in movies as well. We're going to start with our high school admissions, our our, uh, applicants, and then move on to college films a little bit later on. So these are films that we've really never talked about on the show. So some of them might be off the beaten path, maybe not on your radar very much. Yeah, this is our third different back-to-school show on screen cleaning, (laughs) so we're starting to get to the bottom of our movies that we actually like that are about going back to school. But surprisingly, there are an endless supply of high school and college movies out there. Such an easy genre. And, I mean, I say that even after... uh, 
realizing that there are so many that we really can't in good conscience talk about on the show. There are still so many that we could talk about. And uh, we'll even talk about a, a, a specific genre of teen films that you can find if you subscribe to a certain uh, streaming service here in a second. <laughs> but uh, the first one we want to talk about is a film that uh, seems like it should get the people going, right? Every school needs a peppy inductee. Every school needs a film that can uh, just get you really excited to go back to school, which is what we need in 2020, right, Cole? And nothing will get you hyped quite like the cheerleading classic, Bring It On. Bring It On, starring Kirsten Dunst. She, in this film, is taking over the reins as the cheerleading captain. And just like we said earlier, things don't go according to plan. In fact, that's probably a Safe to say that this is a general theme through any of these films. Things don't go according to plan, right? Or else it wouldn't be a movie. Right, right. And so not only do things not go according to plan, she almost loses her spot as the cheerleading captain. But they start this rivalry between this other cheerleading squad from a less affluent uh Neighborhood, we'll the say. East Compton Clovers. Right. And so one of the problems that you see in this film is that you discover that the the actor who steals the show is this cheerleading coach who comes in. He's kind of like a a, a, a gun for hire. He's a right? Ri- yeah, a ringer. Right. So he comes in to teach this uh, affluent cheerleading squad a routine because they got nothing and they need something in a pinch, right? So they hire him, and uh, to their ultimate horror, when they show up to the cheerleading competition, the school right before them puts on the same exact cheerleading routine. So they are accused of cheating, uh, cheerleading plagiarism, if such a thing is a thing. Which, to be fair, they totally did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's, gosh, it's an interesting movie because... Like I said, the cheerleading coach, the guy that does spirit fingers, whenever I think of this movie, I think of spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. Right? He steals the show, but uh, it's a movie that to me has not aged well. Hmm. So this is probably one of those films that, you know, did well during the interview, but ultimately uh, when you revisit the application, it's not as impressive as it was the first time, which is why... You know, the options here, again, are we are going to accept it into SCU, we are going to put it on the waiting list, or we're going to reject it. It's entertaining enough it's, that it wouldn't be rejected, so that's why I'm putting it on the wait list. And, and we'll be discussing nine different films today in the high school or college back-to-school area. So we're going to have three—we have three allotments for each— classification and bring it on it's the first movie we're talking about today and it's my first one accepted into screen cleaning university really now do you think that's because it came out at the perfect time for you because this was a movie that as far as i know was out around the time that i was in high school so it should have been more nearer and dearer to my heart 2000 yeah it's a pre-spider-man kirsten dunst a pre-dollhouse eliza dushku is also in this movie as kind of the uh, very serious gymnast that transfers to this school that doesn't have a gymnastics program, so she has to slum it with the cheerleaders, even though it's like she's the Mighty very Ducks not or something. the cheerleading type. It's such <laughs> a great American sports movie. Like it's it's got all those tropes that you look for in a great high school sports 
thing. And it's a sport that just doesn't get because because dudes are the ones that normally like the sports movies. And this is a cheerleading movie. And so there's just not enough guys that I think give this a chance because it's got everything they love from, you know, remember the Titans or Coach Carter or you know Hoosiers, whatever great high school like dude sports movie that you like. Bring it on's there too, but with just an all-girl cast. Okay, so it's your first film accepted. Interesting, Cole. Now, now I only got two more. We we got one of my accepteds out of the way, and we got eight more movies to talk about. We don't generally. I mean, I don't generally think of cheerleading as a sport, mainly because it's something that is adjacent to a sport that is considered. However, this is competition cheerleading and bring it on, which is so much a sport. Yes. Like when they're just on the sideline of the football game, the band is also just on the sideline. So the band is not a sport either. But when you go to marching band competitions, a movie that I don't get to talk about enough, Drumline, is a great sports movie as well. Because, yeah, sure, when the marching band's up in the stands, they're not a sport. But when you go to those competitions, when they take it seriously... It's a sport. Jeff. That's fair. And so is cheerleading. Well, I want to I give you the opportunity to talk about this next film because I know very little about football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a sport that I do know. <laughs> yeah. So Friday Night Lights, Cole. The movie, not the TV show, inspired by a book, inspired by true events, a true story of a high school football team that came up just short in the Texas quintuple a championship like these are kids that will eventually play d1 college ball and when you win the the 5a texas championship you got future nflers out on that field playing in the best stadiums with the the best coaches for high school football it is serious stuff football in texas and this is a small west texas odessa school that starts the season as one of the favorites, but due to many twists and turns along the way, as a sports movie has to have, they have to overcome the odds, have a great halftime speech by Coach Billy Bob Thornton to bring them around, and then just come up oh so short, a a classic American look at football. Okay, so are you going to accept, put on the waiting list, or reject Friday Night Lights into SCU, Cole? I'm going to wait list Friday Night Lights. Really? It is. It was the one. It was between. It's weird that we these are the first two that we're talking about, but it was between Friday Night Lights and Bring It On here. Ultimately, it came down to what I would prefer to watch. I like my high school sports movies to be a little bit more inspiring than downers. And Friday Night Lights is way more real. Like everything I love about the TV show, the way it's the the way that West Texas is a part of the setting and is a character amongst itself, in addition to all the cool guys that we get to know on the team, the camera work, it's all there in the movie. It set the groundwork. But ultimately the TV show was able to go into more depth with all these characters and the issues that they're dealing with are real and, and are intense for for just a bunch of 17-year-olds to deal with. Um, and ultimately, I would rather go and watch Bring It On again and see everyone come together <laughs> as opposed to Friday Night Lights, where it's just a little too real for me. Yeah. I You touched upon something that pretty much sums up how I feel about this film. I like my sports movies to not be downers, to to be motivators, you know, to get me pumped up, regardless of whether or not the team ultimately wins, right? And not only is this movie a downer, but to me, there is just not a single character in this movie that I care for. 
I can I might be able to sympathize a little bit with their various plights, but I just don't see them as very good people. Now, I'm not sure if that mirrors the actual people that they're portraying in this film. But, uh, yeah, they are so driven and focused on football to a fault because all other aspects of their lives uh, fall by the wayside because that's all they care about. And that's a product of West Texas because even worse than the players that are obsessed about football are all the actual adults in the room that aren't in on the team anymore, whether they were you know players before or whether just in the town, this is all you can talk about. They're the ones that environment is pressuring these kids to be that way. Like the, my favorite line in the whole movie is that they're they're just you know having one of those small intimate moments between a couple players, and one of them says, "I don't feel seventeen. Do you?" Like these kids are what the entire town is built around, and everyone puts that pressure on them, even though. They're supposed to just be high schoolers. They're supposed to be having fun antics like we're going to see in a lot of these other movies when, in reality, it's a very serious sports movie. And it's just a little too much. Yeah. So, Cole, I'm going to need to get out my red stamp pad and put the rejected stamp on this film. But it's so – it's well put together. It's I I didn't like watching it, but it's a good movie. That's why I waitlisted it, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see if I'm going to keep that red stamp out here for this next film. Another high school movie called The Kissing Booth. Now, earlier on the show, I talked about a streaming service that really has started specializing in high school teen romance movies. Right. You could go and look up a huge list of these high school movies. There's that seems like there's another one out every week. And this one, not only does it have a sequel that was just released, but this one was the second and third films were filmed back to back. So we'll have a Kissing Booth 3 to look forward to next year, depending on if you're actually looking forward to it. Yeah. But uh, uh, Joey King is the star of this movie. And to her credit, she is she's a great actress. So you put a great actress in any movie and, you know, at least you can say that she's a good actress. Right. The movie itself, the premise of this movie is this girl who seems to really put herself out there for a girl who has never kissed anybody. So that's the only <laughs> thing that's a little difficult to swallow for me. The uh, The premise involves this these, – these two best friends have this set of rules that they have to abide by, a set of rules that they set in place when they were six years old, right? And they're in charge of uh, pitching a fundraiser idea to their school. I don't know of a high school that would accept – I don't know of any high school administrators that would accept a kissing booth for all of the various implications that that it could have, right? And so, of course, this girl has a crush on her best friend's older brother, which is in violation of one of the rules. Against the rule. Right, Cole? And will they or will they not kiss each other at this kissing booth? And this kissing booth, you know, is a a bane on the existence of some of these characters. But then later on the film, it's kind of they kind of are grateful for the kissing booth. And wouldn't you know it, if you want to cast somebody in a movie that is full of iconic music uh, from the 80s and other eras... Who do you cast, Cole? I don't know. An iconic high school female 
uh, icon, who would it be? Hmm. We need Molly Ringwald for this movie. Yeah. Well, need is a that's that's a relative term, right, Cole? Because I predicted as I was watching this film, when I realized about 45 minutes into it, wait a minute, we've only seen Molly Ringwald for about 10 seconds earlier in the film. I wonder, is Molly Ringwald going to show up later in the film as the character that offers the sage advice to the person who is down on their luck? And sure enough, it's a bold prediction of you. Joey King gets a knock on her bedroom door and her dad walks through and you have a visitor. Oh, is it so-and-so? No, it's so-and-so's mom, played by Molly Ringwald. And sure enough, she offers that sage wisdom. Honestly, when that knock on the door happened, I thought it was just going to be Molly Ringwald. And I forgot that she had a dad <laughs> that needed to like introduce, oh, it's your best friend's mom, because Molly Ringwald's just always there, too. Yeah, yeah. And wouldn't you know it, at the school dance at the end of the school year, the uh, live band that they had comes out with, won't or don't you forget, forget about, about me. me. Yeah. So I have a I kind of have a big problem with movies that rely too heavily on music from different eras, which is funny because that's what I would do if I made a high school movie. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's just another another nod to the fact that we know we're not as good as The Breakfast Club, but... Uh, Remember The Breakfast Club? Yeah, and here's Molly Ringwald, and here's yeah. that great song you love from that movie. So this movie, um, there's a scene in the movie where these popular girls who are at the kissing booth come running backstage because they do not want to kiss this nerd who's picking his nose, right? Even though he's a paying customer... You could not pay me to watch the kissing booth again. There you go. I've got that red stamp at the ready, and it is rejected from Screen Cleaning University. I have seen the kissing booth, and I've seen the kissing booth, too, as well, which I think is slightly better. It introduces all of the very classic uh, high school tropes that we didn't get enough of in the first one, believe it or not, where she's the whole framing device is she's writing her college admissions essay. Um, and I mean, she talks, Joey King's character is narrating a lot through both of these movies, yeah. unsurprisingly based on a novel that is also unsurprisingly written by a 15 year old girl anyway. Like it feels a little juvenile and that's fine because there's room for that place uh, in media on Netflix right now. So people that like it can go and watch it. I unfortunately am not a 15-year-old girl, and I am also going to reject The Kissing Booth. But for my favorite Netflix high school movie, check out To All the Boys I Loved Before, which I pitched to Jeffrey to watch instead, uh, but he chose this one. You know, it's interesting, Cole. You said, unfortunately, you're not a 15-year-old girl. I think some 15-year-old girls would... Not okay. want to be 15-year-old yeah. girls right now. That's true. There's a lot of drama there, but uh, gosh, I, I look back with fondness on my high school days. I would also say um, I, I'm a little surprised at this PG-13 rating because there is certain language in this film used in a certain with a certain connotation that would you would think would make it rated R. There's one strong F word used in, in the way that you're only allowed to get one. And then there's actually a couple more and yeah. multiple other just lesser swears, but kind of a lot of them. Yeah. 
So it really, it really straddles that line between PG thirteen and R for See, sure. But, so we can we can take a just a small recess here in in our conversation because on screen cleaning we try to avoid R rated films at all costs. But when we do, we try to mention why it is R rated. And I think when talking about the high school movie, it's worth talking about the MPAA and the rating system for just a moment because these. High school movies are theoretically about high schoolers for high schoolers, and yet the very best ones, the ones that you said earlier in this in the show that we're going to avoid, are rated R. I mean, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, American Pie, and The Breakfast Club that we very much talked about with Molly Ringwald, all are iconic high school moments in time. And then when you get into college, you have things like Animal House, where it's actually showing like the antics that you know, a, a large portion of these kids are getting up to. And those antics are R-rated, even though yeah. they're being done by kids every single day in, throughout America. One I'm surprised you didn't mention was eighth grade, which is one that I don't hesitate to wa- or to talk about on this program because there are about a half a dozen of those expletives that, that you can't have in a PG-13 mm-hmm. movie, right? But more than any of these other movies, it's not your typical you know, high school or college romp where there's it's really raunchy and, you know, there's a lot of gross out gags. This one is the probably the most real high school movie I've seen. I mean, middle school, to be fair. It's oh, that's true. Grade. That's true. <laughs> well, depending on where you're at. Right. No, I think pretty much that's Definitely universal. Junior high. <laughs> yeah. Junior high. But uh, it's interesting because th- those words that you don't hear too many of in a PG-13 movie are really words that you would really be likely to hear on any one of those campuses, right? But uh, and eighth, yeah, eighth eighth grade does it in a serious and reflective tone, whereas something like Good Boys that also came out that same year, yeah, also features a bunch of like twelve, thirteen year old eighth graders, but is done just for the raunchy sake. Yeah, whereas eighth grade, I would actually use as a vehicle to have a, a serious conversation with my girls when they get older. If I can watch it edited, I will certainly do that because (laughs) there's just a little too much language to make it rated R. Anyway, Cole, speaking of iconic films from the 80s... And Molly Ringwald. And Molly Ringwald. We've got one that I would argue is Molly Ringwald's best John Hughes movie. So, really, maybe her best movie. Whoa. Pretty in Pink. This is a film that you could really sum up by saying rich versus poor, right? She's from the poor side of town. She falls in love with, believe it or not, somebody from the rich side of town. And both side, both sets of friends go get at each other's throats and keep asking these friends, why are you doing this? Why are you? They don't belong to your to your side of the town or your side of town. So why would you entertain this idea? And the boy in question, of course, another staple from the 80s, Andrew McCarthy, who was a heartthrob back in the day. And this is an interesting film, Cole, because this is a film that had a different ending. And you didn't know about this until I told you, right? I did not, because uh, watching this movie, I thought that it seemed like they were setting us up to have Molly Ringwald end up with John Cryer, who Ducky. is the the nerdy, the other one, right? It's 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 a Betty and Veronica kind of thing from the Archie comics, only it's the gal and two boys instead of a boy and two gals. Yeah, and it tested very poorly with audiences when Molly Ringwald and John Cryer got together at the end. In fact... 
uh, Rob Reiner was somebody that was at a screening for this film, came up to John Hughes afterwards and essentially said, congratulations, uh, the princess ended up with the frog. Oof. You know, so they took a day, they added a little bit more money to the budget and they <laughs> filmed a different ending where Molly Ringwald gets together with Andrew McCarthy and uh, all is well in the world, right? And it's interesting because depending on you ask today, some people might say that they prefer an ending where she gets together with John Cryer. Nah, I'm okay with the ending we got. The problem is I have a problem differentiating this from 16 Candles. Mm. And really, it helps that this Molly is the... Ringwald is wearing pink all the way through pretty okay. in pink. And it helps that at the the first scene of 16 Candles. It's her birthday. Is, it's her birthday and she's 16. But like... Other than that, all the middle stuff in between, you could exchange these two movies and I would have no idea which one was which. I don't agree because- Anthony Michael Hall is pretty much just John Cryer. And I feel like Pretty in Pink is more of a drama and 16 Candles is like a raunchy high school comedy. So, and in fact, speaking of that, one of the reasons we did not talk about 16 Candles- It's the R-rated one. No, it's PG- it's 80s PG, uh, oh, oh, which oh. is really surprising because there is nudity in it. There yeah. is an expletive in there that shouldn't be in a PG movie, whereas Pretty in Pink gets the PG-13 rating, which doesn't really make that much sense when you compare the two. It was the 80s. But Pretty in Pink is also very much a staple of the 80s because if you if you didn't see this movie in the 80s, you might be confused. Why do they keep showing this club bouncer? who these kids keep confiding in and hanging out with, it's Andrew Dice Clay. And if you're not familiar right. with Andrew Dice Clay, it's because you're not familiar with the 80s, right? <laughs> so, uh, Cole, this is the one I was having a, a tough time with because I really enjoy this film, even though there are probably some eye-rolling moments in it because it is so much a staple of its time. I am going to put this movie on the wait list. Interesting. I'm going to reject Pity in Pink. What? What? I wanted to make sure that we did have... Uh, the 80s and 90s seemed to be a more iconic era for this kind of movie, and our initial lists had a lot of recent movies. And so I wanted to give a lot of credit to, you know, where high school movies were born, but... Pretty in Pink's not the one, guys. Whoa. If, if I'm going to pick a, there's there's many other high school movies from the 80s I think represent the era better, that do high school better, that show us characters interacting with each other. Pretty in Pink's absolutely forgettable to me, and I reject it from Screen Cleaning University. Okay, just really quick, because I'm curious then. Of the three John Hughes, Molly Ringwald- Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club is the best, absolutely. you're saying? By, by a country mile. And then 16 Candles? Uh, yeah, I, I mean- I, I really meant it. Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink, I would rank exactly the same because I cannot remember the. I mean, Sixteen Candles has the iconic scene at the very end where they're cross-legged and they're whatever. So maybe I give that one a little bit of an edge because I can remember a scene from it. Okay. Other than that, they're the same. This is interesting, folks. This is why Cole and I are the hosts on this show because we very uh, frequently disagree with each other. I would probably put Breast Breakfast Club. On the bottom of my list. You are in the minority, sir. Possibly, but I also don't think I, – I, I will admit that maybe high school students are that deep as the characters in this film – but I don't necessarily agree that they're able to articulate their See, depth but I, to uh, that degree. There's, there's a John Hughes conversation to be had, but I'll, I'll just leave it as I watching that movie after I was out of high school. Looking back, 
they're not quite as deep as they think they are. And I think it makes a little bit of a comment on that. Like they think that they're having the most important conversation ever, but really it's just a bunch of high school losers in the in detention. But I do I do agree that realistically those characters would never talk to each other again, let alone hook up. They would forget about me. Yes, exactly. So I can I can agree with that ambiguity that's there at the end. But I just don't think high school. I, I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble by saying that they can't articulate it as well as it is. I don't think by it's John articulated Hughes. that well in the Breakfast Club. Okay. I think that it's pretty authentic. If you think that we're arguing right now about '80s movies, then we've got one more high school movie to talk about. Whoa! That Jeff and I have different opinions on, folks. We are talking about the 2004 classic cult classic comedy classic Napoleon Dynamite. Cole, I, I can't tell if that was sarcasm uh, just just now. I was trying to lay it on thick for you. Okay. Well, now let's let's get your perspective on this because you had never seen it before, Cole. Jeff, there's a reason that I have gone this long in my life having not seen Napoleon Dynamite, even though it seems like everyone did in 2004. And I was in school at the time and everyone was quoting it. And I, I learned the quotes and I know the images because I've been on the Internet before. I know that anytime someone in football throws it really far, someone posts something about Uncle Rico trying to throw it over mountains. I know that anytime someone gets tater tots from Sonic, they hold on. ask if hold you want to Hold on. There's a get... quote for each one of these. Hold on. I know. How much do you want to bet I can throw this football over the mountains. Yep, that's yep. Give me some of your tots. Yep. Yeah, there's that too. Tina, you fat lard. Um, anytime I go get milk, I think about if, you know, you don't have to drink 1%, you could drink whole if you want to. There's Is that cuz you think you're fat? It's not it's not <laughs> funny. It's just there. Oh, Cole. And watching it this long afterwards did not help in the experience. I will tell you that. I one thing I want to say is Cole wanted there I wanted to have a, a good friendly conversation on the show today but Cole <laughs> wanted a fight he told me as much and yet when I asked him nicely I thought uh to watch Napoleon Dynamite for the first time his response was <laughs> please for the love of all that is holy don't make me watch Napoleon Dynamite Jeff's quoting our private email production meetings over the air. I didn't. I didn't know that was in confidence. Eh, I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay, it's true. I agree with it. <laughs> I'll stand behind my words. So, Cole, I love underdog films, and I especially love. I do too. I love lovable losers, and Napoleon Dynamite, and Pedro, and uh, oh gosh, what's Tina. his name? Tina. No, Tina's the. Uh, Tina's the oh, uh, Tina's emo. the name of well, Tina's the name of the actress that plays whoever it is. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, Deb, sure. Beauty shots by Deb. Yeah, yeah. I love lovable losers, and I love it when they have a leg up when they when they win over the uh, against all odds when they win, right? And it's not even like the stakes are super high in this film. To give you an example of that, it's a high school. They're they're campaigning for high school for. The one other person other than me that's gone this far without watching Napoleon Dynamite. The concept is just a slice of life in Preston, Idaho, where two kids are trying to campaign to be the senior body, uh, student body president. Right. Um, that's as much of a plot as it can muster. In addition to all of the wonderful uh, quotes that Cole rolled his eyes at, this culminates in one of the most iconic scenes that we've seen in a high school film, 
with John Heater as Napoleon Dynamite improvising this really quite awesome dance to Canned Heat uh, by Jamiroquai, speaking of a product of its time. But I love that this film, other than that, it plays it small the entire way through. Small town feel, small town characters, small town stakes, right? And to give you an example of that smallness, instead of the two love interests riding off into the wind or there being some big grand gesture at the end, what you have is the big grand gesture is Napoleon says, I caught you this delicious sea bass. As they begin to play uh, tetherball with each other (laughs) to The Promise, the wonderful song from the 80s, and he doesn't even let her win. He, like, creams her. He just demolishes her in this game of tetherball. That's what I love about this film, is lovable losers doing small things with very small stakes. Jeff, are you accepting, waitlisting, or rejecting... Napoleon Cole, Dynamite. I love an underdog, and I'm giving. I'm absolutely. I, this is Napoleon Dynamite. Is that person who comes from a humble background and is able to impress me with their resume? John Heater submitted his dance tape, and for that reason alone, I am accepting Napoleon Dynamite Sounds into like Screen Cleaning University. Sounds like he's getting a scholarship University. to boot. You know what, Jeff? <laughs> I'm going to wait list it. In his moon boots, by the way, too, In, by the oh way. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They're so ridiculous. I'm not going to reject Napoleon Dynamite. Really? It, I, okay, so I have also seen about half of Nacho Libre yes. before Napoleon. Nacho! And it is the same exact amount of dumb and the same kind of people that like those two movies. They're, they're, they're the same people. Um, but Napoleon shocked me with being slightly smarter. It, it was a little bit more indie feeling, right? Like from the White Stripes song at the beginning and their $2 production budget for those credits. And and the way it made some of its cuts and just the feel of the indie movie around all of these unfunny jokes and the way it, it felt like it was satirizing things like Dazed and Confused where they're not really doing anything but it's like popular cool California kids and instead it's these like weird Idaho losers instead. It had a cool concept and it was doing it in a pretty way but I'm I, there's no way I accept it because the the jokes really are dumb and not my kind of dumb i'll accept that it's better than i thought it was going to be i will give it some credit all right cole so just to recap the films that uh, we reviewed thus far bring it on i put on the wait list accepted friday night lights i rejected wait list the kissing booth i rejected rejected pretty in pink i put on the wait list rejected napoleon dynamite i accepted wait list And when we return, we're going to take a look at our college films that are really transfer students from other colleges that we would be accepting, rejecting, or putting on the wait list for Screen Cleaning University. That's all up next here on Screen Cleaning.
Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Here on the show today, we are inducting films into Screen Cleaning University. We are rejecting films or we're putting them on the wait list. And that is the music from another film that we're going to be talking about because we've gotten through our high school films. We've rejected a few. We've put a couple on the wait list. I've only accepted one, Cole. How many I did you accept? have also only accepted one movie. So we've got two more to go. Talk about taking advantage and juicing the nostalgia of the 80s. That was Don't You Forget About Me as sung by the Bellas, the acapella squad from Pitch Perfect. One of three Pitch Perfect movies that were made. And We're uh, just talking about the first one, though, right? Just the okay. first one. Just the first one. We have to kind of uh, ignore the fact that the other two were even made, and that's actually how I would prefer it mm. <laughs> if the second and third ones were never made, right? So we've gotten through our high school picks. Now these are the college movies that will be inducted into or accepted into Screen Cleaning University. These are the transfer students, right, Cole? Yep. So uh, Pitch Perfect is a movie that I, just like you put off watching Napoleon Dynamite, I did not want to watch Pitch Perfect because— Was it the singing? No, I'm I'm a huge fan of singing, and, and I don't know why singing was pronounced that way, but uh, uh, I love choir, and I was in choir in high school, so th- it's not that part of it, but— This movie came out around the same time as Glee. I'd never watched an episode of Glee, but I knew enough about Glee to know that I didn't want to watch Glee. And so I thought, oh, this is just like a movie version of Glee, right? And so It certainly fed off of Glee's success. I won't deny that. Yeah. I put it off as long as I could, but we started hearing good things about Pitch Perfect. So Mm -hmm. my wife and I decided to rent it on Amazon one night and – We enjoyed it so much that when we were looking for something to do the next night and we were still within our 48-hour rental period, I said, should we watch Pitch Perfect again? No And we did. And there's a reason for that. Pitch Perfect has a great soundtrack. It's filled with lots of humor. Uh, This is back before Rebel Wilson started to wear at us a little bit or wear on us a little bit. The the reason she became famous, I, I say yeah. it with all things that we get sick of, there was a reason they were famous in the first place, and she is fantastic in the first Pitch Perfect. Absolutely. And I I just love the soundtrack so much. This is a movie that I bought the soundtrack that because I loved it that much. And uh, if I had to look for a film that came out recently that's pretty much just like this, it would be... Eurovision, although I do think Pitch Perfect is the better film of the two. I agree. Okay. Um, And that is why I am accepting Pitch Perfect into SCU. That's good. I also, I like Pitch Perfect. I don't have a lot to complain about for it, but it only just makes the wait list because there's a couple other better ones that are going to be coming. See, it's interesting because I mentioned Eurovision. The entire time I watched it, I thought, this movie is so dumb. This is just a dumb movie. But the music was so clever, so catchy, that I couldn't get it out of my head for days. And when my brothers and I were looking for something to do for Guys Night, not long thereafter, I suggested we watch Eurovision. And when I recently went camping with my kids out in the backyard and I came in to use the restroom, what did I catch my wife watching? Eurovision. I'm telling you, singing and dancing movies don't get enough credit. One of the ones that we almost talked about was High School Musical, which mm. is one of the 
for my generation, quintessential high school movies. But I would have rejected essentially it. Essentially a Disney Channel original movie until it got to the third one, and that was really theatrically. I decided we only needed one singing and dancing movie. Pitch Perfect was it. I prefer it to High School Musical, but just on the wait list. Now we get to a movie that I think feels like a Disney Channel original movie, oh, even yeah. though it was actually released theatrically and did decent at the box office surprisingly well as far as what i was seeing this is raven simona a veteran of the disney channel in college road trip all right now let me just say right off the bat i rejected this film oh, okay i did too okay because of the three i wanted to start off by saying that because of the three rejected films it's probably the one i liked the most which is not necessarily saying a whole lot but there are things that I really like about this film. I was – I thought maybe this was going to end up on my wait list because at the very beginning, you've got Martin Lawrence doing a voiceover talking about how he's a police officer and how he wants his daughter to stay close to home. And you see this map saying this university is only 40 miles from home, so this is the one I want her to go For to. For a movie called College Road Trip, it uses that map really well. I like Oh, that. yeah. I like maps. Uh, so I think it's really cute right off the bat. Martin Lawrence is seems really sincere as the dad. And in the scenes where he's laughing and gets excited, he looks and sounds genuinely excited. Oh, and yeah. it makes me laugh. His laughter is infectious in this movie, right? Raven Simone, no surprise that she would do a great job in this film because she's been acting since she was a baby. Mm-hmm. And then really what steals the show and seals the deal or, or that makes it so that it's the best of these three rejected films is Mr. Donny Osmond, for me anyway, because what he does in this film is he embraces his cheesy persona that he has, and he he takes it to 11, basically. And that's what sells his performance in this movie, is that he is 100% committed to being this very cheesy, eager, happy, peppy dad. nerdy, white dad. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you can't help but laugh with him and at him during this movie because he just sells it so well. Unfortunately, you just you you nailed it, Cole. You said Disney Channel original, even though it's not a Disney Channel original. But you can see it on Disney Plus. But once that pet pig comes out <laughs> and it eats the coffee and it starts doing these all these computer generated flips through the air and ruins this like wedding. Reverse his footage of walking forward so it can look <sighs> like the pig is walking backwards out of the room. And- had the had Donny Osmond, Raven Simone, and Martin Lawrence been given something a little more inspired to do, I probably would have put I would definitely would have put it on the wait list. Maybe I would have even accepted it because it was such a surprise. But boy, oh they but I understand why they did that. Because it's rated G. They had to make it they had to make it a, appealing to all age groups and relatable to all age groups, which is why but you get the pig. Where's the six-year-old that loves the pig? Why are they going to see this movie about Raven Simone trying to go and get into college? Like it seems because like it has it a should... funny, cute pig in it. Yeah, but that's why. So uh, the, another reason why we wanted to talk about this movie is because it cut, touches on another part of that college process. That Probably there's... the only road trip college movie that we could yeah, talk about on the show. College Road Trip came out in 2008 when I myself was going on college road trips. Like it's a super fun and unique part of high school into college, like that transition time in your life where you just kind of you're an adult for the first time. You've got your driver's license, right? And so you can just go and check out these places where you plan to spend the next four years of your life. It it touches on that, but it does it in just kind of like a 
an okay way. If nothing else, it's got a fun soundtrack. That's true, too. <laughs> and everyone was having fun making it. It's, yeah. It is a fun, you know, Friday Night Lights, not fun to watch, very well made. College Road Trip, not very well made, but super fun to watch. Let's just say it's a good thing that Raven got accepted to Georgetown because she can't count on an admission letter from us. Nice. Yeah. All right, Cole. The moment you've been waiting for. Yes. The moment we get to talk about the horror entry into our admissions discussion here today. So here's the thing. Almost every horror movie ever is about high school or college, right? We could make a whole sub-episode about, you know, back to school, but it's horror this time. Except here on Screen Cleaning, we try to keep things PG-13 or better, and that disqualifies almost every single horror movie. All all of the good ones, I mean, The Faculty is an amazing look at high school specifically, not just happening to have high schoolers in it, um, but it's rated R, and so we're not going to... But in the year 2017, I got this gift to be able to talk about on screen cleaning with you, Jeff. It was during the movie pastimes. I got to see it for basically free, and it was Happy Death Day. And and it combines the things that I love the, the, the most. It had horror. It had college. It had time loops. And it is just a perfect movie for me. Of course, I'm going to accept Happy Death Day. I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, I think Happy Death Day needs to hop back into that time loop and apply again to SCU because I'm putting it on the wait list. This is a film that I was I was kind of excited about. And I will say when it came out and everybody was just saying, oh, it's just a Groundhog Day ripoff. It's just a horror version of Groundhog Day. I actually thought it was better than what people were saying about it. Right. Um but I, I didn't love it as much as I hoped I would, certainly not as much as you. I thought the direction that they went with the sequel was very interesting and could lead to more sequels. But I know that you would not be in favor of that. And if Happy Death Day to you applied, you would probably reject it. I, I think so. I am anxious to see what they do with the more sequels because they certainly set it up. It just took the Scream route, another horror movie based around high school and then eventually in the sequels college and so on, uh, where the first one was a perfect blend of funny and horror. And then the sequels just got progressively funnier and schlockier and less actually scary. Happy Death, Happy Day, Death to Day to you. Happy Day to you wasn't scary in the slightest. It just, I mean, people died a couple times, but the slasher was barely there. Whereas the first one was that great just slasher V, you know, young girl. And she goes back and, and gets killed over and over and over again in fun and interesting ways. And it's just, it's a blast. And Tree, the the girl that gets killed, played by Jessica Roth, is doing the yeoman's work here in this movie. She's fantastic as a final girl. I, I really do. I love Happy Death Day. The first one. I thought you were going to say Happy Death Day to you took the route of Back to the Future Part 2. Because it really... They rehash. Yeah. And any time travel, and... time loop type of movie... I, it seems like if you could go anywhere, do anything, you don't revisit the, the same, same thing plot, you did right? Before, Which yeah. is basically, it worked for Back to the Future somehow, and uh, maybe not so much with Happy Death Day to you. But the first one is accepted by me. And it's on my wait list, which brings us to our final film, The Social Network, which, to be fair, is really quite different from any of these other films. It's not your typical high school or college film. It does take place in college, and it does center on Mark Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg, and his cohorts, 
that ultimately were responsible for coming up with Facebook, depending on who you ask. Not the Finkelvosses. You should definitely not ask Aaron Sorkin because he basically admits that this is just a movie I don't. He doesn't like to do research into the true story because he likes to come up with his own story of how the events played out. Certainly, and he did that so well in not this movie. how it happened in this movie, yeah. right? But uh, yeah, this is a film that was nominated for Best Picture, and it, depending on who you ask, many say that it should have won over The King's Speech. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg got an Oscar nomination for playing Mark Zuckerberg. And Spider-Man himself was in this film as well. Well, uh, the other Spider-Man. Well, Andrew a, Garfield. A Spider-Man. The a Spider-Man. least of the Spider-Men. And uh, I am not going to hold you in suspense or uh, or make you wait any longer. This is accepted for me. You know when you get that friend request and sometimes you just wait and wait and wait and then you forget that you even had it? But there's some friends that you just met and you're like, I accept this right away. And that's what I do with the social oh, network. Yeah. Such a good – and just because it doesn't have like the goofy college antics that you're used to seeing in a college movie doesn't mean that college is not so important to the setting of this movie. The fact that J- Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg is in Harvard and it was just a, a Harvard-only thing – the idea of the Ivy League is very important to the fictional world of high school and college because it seems like every high school movie, you have the kids trying to get into the Ivy League. And every you know college movie, it's you know either about Harvard or whatever, or it's about people that are kind of jaded that they didn't get into it. Like Accepted is another one that we didn't end up talking mm-hmm, about, or mm-hmm. a bunch of kids didn't get into their dream schools, and so they created one of their own that they could get accepted to. Um The social network, the college environment of it is important. It's not like the first thing you would think of when you think of a college movie, but it definitely belongs here in our screen cleaning university admissions process. And I, of course, accept it because it's a good movie. This is the only one that's like it stands up against other genres. It's good no matter what you're talking about. These other ones are like. Good for the job, good for horror, good for high school, whatever. Yeah. No, this is a capital M movie. Now, Jesse Eisenberg, bear with us. It's going to take us a few days to get you that admission email, but I don't even know why I'm saying that because I know that you're just going to sit at your computer hitting refresh on your email over and over and over again until it shows up, but I promise it will show up. You see what I did there? That's it was the kind scene of a, from the a, a nod to the end, end of the movie when yeah. he did that with mm-hmm. his Facebook account. I remember. Whew. Okay, Cole. So just to recap, the three that I accepted were Napoleon Dynamite, Pitch Perfect, and The Social Network. I had The Social Network as well with Happy Death Day and Bring It On. Okay. Well, that's exciting. This is a this is a fun time I had with you, Cole. That wasn't too bloody of a bash as, as you were predicting it might be. And thank goodness you liked Napoleon Dynamite maybe just a smidge more than I thought you might. That I thought I might. But I kind of want to go out and get some tots and uh, go feed my emu. And, you know, in the kissing booth, every argument can be solved with ice cream. It's one of their rules. I guess. I think we could go get some ice cream after this. Hmm. Okay. Sounds like a plan. And uh, we'll send out those acceptance emails real soon. But when we return, we're going to do a little panning for good, as well as talk about a couple of films that we've been meaning to watch that may or may not have to do with high school slash college. They probably will. 
All right, that's up next on Screen Cleaning. Match.com for Harvard. Can I continue with my deposition? You know, you really don't need a forensics team to get to the bottom of this. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Huh. I've been meaning to watch that. That's exciting, Cole. Now that we're in the same room, we uh, we do it in sync. There's no tape delay anymore. <laughs> this is the time of the program where, during the course of being a movie fan, you get a list of movies. And sometimes you just can't get through it. You know, there's there's been things that are just sitting around, you know, the, the college essay that you forget about or, or the homework that you've been procrastinating. And... In the high school and college movie genre, we've got movies like that, too. Jeff, I think me a little bit more than you. Yeah, I've seen most of the ones that I've wanted to see throughout the years, mainly because a lot of them came out when I was in high school. And so they were very much on my radar. Yeah, see, I've seen all three high school musicals, and and you've missed out on the other two, but it's not like you've exactly been meaning to watch them. No, but there is one that I have been meaning to watch because when it came out, I was probably a little too young to watch it, and yet I had siblings that were college-aged that were going to see a film called PCU. Now, if you're not familiar with this film, uh, it's kind of a cult classic, many would argue, but I, I bring it up because I always remembered hearing my siblings talking about it and seeing it. And it actually was referenced in a film that came out a couple of years ago, Ready Player One. And so I thought, hmm, maybe now that I am old enough to see this college film that is PG-13, which is not very easy to find, maybe I will take a look at it. And uh, I'll do just that and let you know what I thought of it next week, Cole. Sounds good. Having been to high school and getting into high school movies in the late 2000s, my whole life has just been catching up on these 80s and 90s high school movies that I've been meaning to watch. And one of the more glaring omissions that I haven't gotten around to yet, but I will this week, is Clueless. Clueless. Yeah. Cole, you have not seen Clueless? This is the judgment-free zone where we say that we've been meaning to watch it and we're finally going to get around to it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Clueless yet. I'm sorry. Okay. Funny story about Clueless. I was too young to watch PCU, a college movie, in 1994. But somehow my parents didn't think I was too young to watch Clueless in 1995, a raunchy high school movie. Right. About, uh, let's just say hooking up, right? Probably. Okay. Based on, so it's based on Emma? Yes, it is. By Jane Austen. There was an Emma movie earlier this year. It, it kind of reinvigorated people talking about Clueless. I still hadn't seen it. I still haven't now. But by next week at this time, Jeff, I will have watched Clueless and you will have watched? the Oh, PCU. Gotcha. Well, as we do with each and every one of our shows, we like to end things up here by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. Another one of the films that we didn't talk about is one that uh, I do want to bring up here on the show today. It's a film that was not very easy to find when it was released in theaters. And part of that is because it was a film that they fought with the MPAA about what rating are we going to give this? We really feel like this is an important film that high schoolers should see. We should use it in classrooms to teach about the importance of not bullying. It's an anti-bullying documentary called 
bully. And so it ultimately didn't win the battle, and so it was released in not very many theaters. But when it was released on video, it was given a PG-13 rating. But it's a film that follows uh, five different students who are bullied. And I believe that a couple of these students ultimately take their lives, which, of course, is very sad and really highlights the fact that this is a real problem and that this is something that we do need to have conversations about. And this is something that we do need to speak out against. Yeah. And I'm so glad we got to end here because it again paints the contrast between an R rating just to show all the fun antics that are goofy and funny and that'll get you know people to laugh at you or an R rating that really means something and can tell a story. Uh, this documentary, a beautiful example of that. Well, Cole, I had such a fun time doing this with you here on the show today. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another SCU admissions show where we maybe we should look at high school and college TV shows. Wouldn't that be interesting? I would love to. Okay. There's always next year. Always next year. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every week on BYU Radio. Look up our past episodes on our podcast. Just Google Screen Cleaning Podcast for all the best in entertainment over the past year and two years. We've got so many shows you can look up and enjoy. And uh, until next week, I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. We'll see you next time. 